0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Legal Tech Week. It is October 27th, 2023. And uh, this is the show where we talk about the top stories in legal tech and legal innovation from the past week. I'm Bob Ambrogi. I'm the uh, host and I have a blog called Law Sites and a podcast called Law Next and a Legal Tech Directory also called Law Next. And uh, our panelists today uh, Gene, you're back. You haven't been with us for a few weeks. Welcome. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm Gene O'Grady. I uh, write the Dewey B Strategic blog, which covers mostly research, knowledge, and other workflow type of technology. And I also write a column for Legal Tech Hub.
0: And uh, all right. And uh, Victor, just, I grabbed you just as you think I sip of your...
2: Hi everyone. Um, my name is Victor Lee. I am assistant managing editor for the ABA Journal, covering business of uh, business of technology, business of law and technology. Sorry, the Diet Pepsi is doing a number on me right now.
3: All right. I okay. I was going for iced coffee, but whatever. Uh, Joe. Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and I have a podcast, Thinking Like a Lawyer. And I, uh, before we went live, we were all, you know at this panel was all talking about how excited they are about Taylor Swift's new album. Uh, no, they we actually we had moved on to the Rolling Stones new album, but still uh happy 1989 day for anyone who celebrates. Yeah.
0: I'm actually and I've already moved on to Talking Heads Stop Making Sense movie. But so uh, and uh, Nikki
4: uh, I'm Nikki Black. I am the head of SME and external education at uh, my Case and LawPay, I write legal technology <clears throat> articles for um, Above the Law, ABA Journal, and the Daily Record, and I also oversee and write the benchmark reports and the legal industry report that we uh, publish at um, uh, at Afinopay, parent company of My Case and law Pay. and uh, I've been gone for the last few weeks, so I'm uh, looking forward to today.
5: Great to have you back, and Steve Embry. Hi, Steve Embry here. I write the blog, uh, Tech Law Crossroads on legal technology and legal innovation. And it's nice to be here. All right, so uh, I, something uh, a whole bunch of us, I
0: think, uh, covered in some shape or form this week was the announcement by uh, LexisNexis uh, of the, uh, I guess, the, the final uh, General availability of its Lexus Plus AI, its generative AI legal research product, uh, which it uh, by which it's promising uh, no hallucinations uh, uh, answers to uh, legal questions. And uh, I, I know there was a, a press briefing earlier this week that I actually missed, although I got to see the recording of it. But uh, a number of you were all were all there. Um, uh what did you would you all would you all think Gene, uh, you're our our legal research expert here what, what was your takeaway
1: well you know it it looks good the thing well, there's a there's a couple of caveats during the briefing uh uh jeff said that yeah. they were going to sell it module by module and then i had a follow-up conversation and i found out Well, that's how they're going to do it for small firms, but larger law firms are going to have to buy everything. So the the price point, and I'll have more to say about this later, the price point for law firms, I think, is going to be pretty hefty. Um, The one thing that surprised me during the demo, and I picked up on this because part of the PowerPoint, he said, that they were going to continue to do prompt training for lawyers. And then I asked Jeff about it and he said, well, yeah, it's, it almost, oh, please forgive me. It almost sounds like we're taking a step back from natural language query where lawyers are going to have to be a lot more careful about their queries. And there's a lot more caveats associated with the queries than I, than you know, when you read the press release, wow, we're about to enter nirvana. But this whole thing about the quality and the nuance of the prompt queries—that's uh, that's interesting. And since I I I haven't actually used it, I I we're getting ready to set up some tests. I uh, you know I'll report back when I tell you what I think. But that just surprised me and let me just stand since since i already started down this road the one thing cuz i've also heard about what other i mean everybody who sells this it's going to be hefty and as someone who works in a law firm where we are currently buying three two or three major platforms i think that the notion that every law firm is going to have to buy Every AI upgrade at an extraordinarily exponentially more cost. I think this may be the thing that starts to break down the duopoly because I think people are going to have to say no. Because I mean, I am sure you know Microsoft and um, I Manage or the DMS companies, they can come up and say, "Here's our new price tag. This is extraordinary," but you're only buying one. And now we're in a situation where you're buying multiples of something that's largely duplicative. And I I just think this may be the thing that breaks the market. Bloomberg is the, is the most far behind. They only have their studio, but you know what? Bloomberg is going to make their AI available to all their subscribers. So could this be the thing that upends the market? So that's all I have to say.
4: What I thought was interesting was um uh, I, I thought it looked really good. I liked the, I was interested in the way they rolled it out, but what really interested me was the hallucination free part and when you look at the headline and when you look at how they use the adjective hallucination free because it is an adjective, it describes citations so they're they're offering hallucination free citations, not results because then in the press release it um it, does, it actually talks about how the results are not vaccination-free all the time. So I thought, go downstairs. That's enough. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I'm going to put my dogs in the basement.
0: Oh, I thought you were telling us to go downstairs. That's I enough. thought you were talking.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah got, all of you, you're banished to the basement. <laughs>
0: I thought, I haven't even said
5: anything yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. I had my, my little bitch about their about their press release was the line that said, uh, Lexus plus AI is the only legal generative AI solution with citations linked in its responses. Well, that's not true, <laughs> uh, because VLex, uh, for one, uh, has citations directly linked in its responses. And I, I, again, I wasn't in the in the press briefing. You were all in, but I, I reached out to Jeff afterward, and and he said, "Well, I haven't seen that, but their their citations aren't in their responses." And I sent him a screen cap <laughs> saying, "Look, they're hitting the responses," um, and so I, I mean. It, it kind of neither here nor there in the scheme of things, really, as to whether they are linked in the responses or not, but I just always hate it when some vendor claims something that isn't true, and, and LexisNexis should know better than that.
3: I kind of like this formulation of a question that we got from Richard here. Uh, is there anything that folks saw that was new in this project, or have we seen just different parts of all of this in other projects? Anyone, uh,
4: I think like that it was more, though. For me, a good... I thought it all right. Go on, someone else jump in because I already talked. Go ahead.
5: I was just going to say, obviously, it was a good question since nobody <laughs> said anything. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't I, think there I... is anything new in it myself. I, I, I,
0: I, I think, I mean, think there's so. essentially nothing. Uh I mean well, first of all, they had already rolled out a, you know, a preview version of this before and, and I think it pretty much had those same core tasks in the preview version. I think they added in the uh the document uploading or something, which was essentially sounds like what they had before with their uh, whatever they called the other uh thing that was like a Kara ripoff, not ripoff uh imitation. Uh, well, we speak I, I mean of- I, I yeah.
1: We keep seeing the same four functionalities. Everybody is working on the same four functionality. The, I mean, I guess the thing that is unique is they're the they're the only one that linked to Shepherd citations. And so, if you are a true believer in sep- Shepherd citations as opposed goes to site, you that is totally unique, and you that that's your selling point. What I, I thought guess was, yeah, it's
2: kind of like, it's kind of like. It's, oh, sorry, ahead.
1: No, no. I'll go after you. You haven't weighed in yet.
2: Go on. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of like, yeah, like, is there anything new about about it? I mean, I guess, you know, the, 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 I kind of agree with what, what you guys said, but, but it's kind of like, yeah, I guess the main selling point is for people who are either already using Lexus or who trust, you know, their vast database and their experts and their, their and, and their, and their, you know, their, their commentaries and whatnot. And, 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 and so, so it's kind of like the things that they kind of did, that they, that they kind of trumpeted, like the hallucination free citations, that kind of stuff, like that's, that seems to be sort of like the more of the stuff that they're trying to use to differentiate themselves. From the pack but really it's just going to be a matter of like i mean and also looking at the price so it's kind of like if you're already if you're already wedded to lexus you're already established as like a you know customer of, of them then you're then you'll probably just shell out the extra money if you have it for this and 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 trust that you know because you've always used them you've always used their their sites you've always used their their commentaries and whatnot that that um you'll, you'll get a good product that'll that'll do what you need, you need to you need to be done like you're not going to switch you're not all of a sudden gonna to switch to like Westlaw or to like something some other some other company it's just because their 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 AI tool looks a little bit nicer or is just, is a little bit you know is a little bit better. So I, I think that's I think that that's that's kind of what they're counting on, the fact that they have such huge market share already and that their 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 audience is kind of like, you know, as long as they provide something that their audience can use, um, you know, to, to keep up with the with the rest of the of the pack, then, then they'll be fine.
1: Well, you know, somebody just mentioned the ROA and that's exactly where I was going to go. First of all, no one's guaranteeing anything is free of hallucinations. How much faster are you actually going to be and how do you translate that? I mean, right now, the cost of these products, the cost that I am hearing are breathtaking given that the market right now is very nervous. The law firms do not. They're trying to keep their expenses flat, and if people are trying to, you know, and let me just pull pull a large number out, a hallucinated large number, like say twenty five percent increase to go from product A, which is pretty good, to product B with AI that actually has the caveat of hallucinations and other kinds of ways that you need to go back and double check your work, what is the net ROI? You know, what, what is the net, net efficiency impact of this?
4: Well, and I think it's an, a particularly interesting question that you just asked. I also have something else I want to say in a minute, but um, in the my Above the Law article that we're gonna probably talk about soon, um, I, what was interesting was the, the Florida Bar, one of the questions that they are putting out there for general commentary on is, should firms have to disclose they're using AI and reduce their uh, the cost of their legal services accordingly because of the time saved? So given what you just said about how firms are trying to keep their expenses level, and there's going to be some hesitancy to invest additional monies into this, it's going to be even worse if the ethics committee starts saying, and you got to cut your costs because you're using it. I mean, that's gonna really uh, uh, undercut um, the sales process that is, and the benefit of these tools if that happens. I don't think you it know, will. I,
1: I also think it'll be easier to measure the ROI in, uh, in some of the other functionalities like drafting and summarization. But on the research side, I'm not sure how quickly it's going to make research quicker or more reliable.
0: Well I don't think it's supposed to though. I mean isn't the point this is supposed to be additive to the legal research? This is not supposed to be a substitute for full no, but, blown LexisNexis but, research.
1: Yeah, but that's true now. You get it, you get you get a you put in a, a natural language query and you get a list of cases that you're supposed to uh cite check and read and figure out. And that is essentially the same thing with the added worry that is there anything here that's been hallucinated or overpromoted be- based on the AI?
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I mean, I, but I'm saying it, it's not. Uh, I, I think that's part of the part of the part of the uh, fact. Part of what law firms have to factor in is the fact that this is not a a replacement for traditional legal research. It's something they're paying for in addition to their traditional legal research tool. And is is that. Is that extra oomph that they get out of a product like this really worth the extra price? I, I don't know that it necessarily is at this point. It's it's great for quick, direct answers to questions, but you're, you wouldn't use it as a substitute for f- thoroughly researching a, a, an issue that, that you had to deal with. Um, the, the other point I wanted to make is just back going back to that question, is there anything different in this uh, that was part of the reason I thought that the, the the VLex product that came out a couple of weeks ago was kind of clever because it did have a couple of things that were different that nobody else is doing uh, right now. Their, their you know comparative law legal comparative tool by which you can compare state laws or compare international laws I thought was really clever uh, and and could be potentially really useful for certain kinds of uh, uh, law practices. And and the build an argument one, I, I thought was pretty cool, which I really haven't seen uh, anybody else do yet either. Uh, and uh, you know whether whether that's worth the price, I don't know what they're charging for it. But uh, again, that's something they're they are doing a couple things that nobody else seems to be doing with their with their uh, AI.
4: Um, I have two things to say. One is addresses the, um, the issue of what's different about this. Um. What was different from my perspective or what was interesting was seeing how they rolled it out, what their user interface, what they ultimately settled on for their user interface, what they settled on for each of those different categories that they were gonna um, roll it out with. Um, their pricing, how they were approaching the different markets, meaning solo and smalls versus the large firm market. Um, because Lexus has been in AI for a long time, um, longer than most of these other companies, quite frankly. They, invest in Lex Machina early on. So it's really interesting to see how they're approaching that, especially the pricing, because this stuff is not cheap to run on the back end with that processing and the tokens per inquiry uh, and stuff. It is expensive. And I think that's a challenge that every company is trying to tackle and figure out um, how they roll these things out, whether it's included in the functionality of their product and they charge it different in a tier or whether it's a complete and separate add-on or whether it is literally like function by function by function that you add on. I mean, there's so many ways to approach this. And so it's really interesting to see how they have approached it, especially um, since they've been working with a lot of large um, firms in beta and they're trying to attack the whole market with this. So I thought that was particularly interesting. Um, And then I just wanted to touch on, um, somebody asked a question um, and it was about uh, Brian Belt. The great, um, how high is the risk of hallucination when you have a closed database? And that's an interesting question. And I got called to task on that. Um, I was on a panel recently, and Pablo Arredondo was on it as well. Um, and I was uh, answering a question and basically saying that, um, you know, with summarization, if you're going to upload a document, you're going to have a, you know, I was trying to show ways that lawyers could use it that were sort of hallucination-free. Um as much as possible. And I said, summarization was a good way to do that. And he kind of called me out. And he he was, well, he didn't kind of, he did. And I think he was right um, because he raised the point that if you upload an entire, um, the larger the document, the higher the risk of hallucination. Um, So that's like where co-counsel comes in conveniently, you know, that's what he's there to represent. But um, if you're just uploading a two-page document or a blog post, it's going to be much more accurately summarize that and not make stuff up. But the larger the document, the more the risk you have of it kind of making things up or playing with the facts and throwing extra things in there. So, you know, providing it with just a specific database or specific um, uh, set of data to pull from limits it. But at at this point, that's why no one can actually say hallucination free, because it's just not. You can provide hallucination free citations because they're really limiting it you know, so they can make that claim, but it's very different. But, but effectively, they can be
0: effective. they can be effectively, hallucinating. I mean, like even Pablo would say yeah, they would, they describe co-counsel as effectively hallucination free, not, you know, like 99% hallucination free. I mean, if you're using retrieval augmented generation and, and the way, you know, the way you're doing it is you're pulling, you're basically going in and doing almost a traditional legal research, legal query search, and then, and then running the AI against the results of that search. So, well, Uh, you know, it it dramatically reduces the the likelihood of
4: hallucinations. For sure. And I agree with that. I had been making a claim about Chat GPT, which I may not have mentioned in my initial. And he was basically saying that, um, which I agree with, I recommend people use legal specific products, but he was basically saying they're not going to have enough guardrail on the back end of this thing to really, you know, hone it in when you upload a document that large. And so that's why you need the legal specific where they guardrail everything and have the programming and the prompt engineering on the back end that limit significantly. And so that's sort of uh, the point he was trying to make, and he's definitely right about that.
1: But what I have heard from people inside, I'm not going to say who, inside one of these big companies, it's not that it makes up cases, but it's still at a point where it can recommend the wrong case as being the best case. It's not a complete fabrication. It's So I feel like We are being asked to pay an awful lot of money for products that are pretty close to beta. And it's basically the customers are going to be helping them figure out how to get it right.
0: One other other complaint I wanted to make about this, (laughs) about this rollout. Uh, Sorry, I know there's some Lexus people on the call here, Uh, (laughs) but uh, it's just, I mean, whatever happened to giving reporters a chance to see these things before they before they roll out? And not just a controlled demonstration, you know, that they hastily call together. I mean, when did they, I mean, I think they organized this like, what, last Thursday or Friday for a Monday call or something like that. And And, you know, there was a time when they would have said, okay, we're going to be announcing this on such and such a date. Here's a preview version that you can log into and try out and then write about it and tell us what you mm-hmm. think. Uh, and and it's, it's it's getting so rare for companies to want want us to actually be hands on with their products before they launch, uh, and uh, you know I, it's it's sort of like those uh, you know when when they release a, a a movie and they don't let the critics see it before it goes out or something. I mean it, it makes you wonder <laughs> uh, why why that is, uh, and I wish they would go back to that practice of of giving us some time to play with these things before we, before they actually release them.
5: I think Bob, it's even worse than the movie and the critic situation because you know most of us. I don't practice law well full time, so I'm never going to be able. I'll never use the product. I'll never know, you know, unless I yeah. unless I have some access. I mean, that's uh, and, and the people that do use the product, the practicing lawyers. I mean, most of them are. I mean, they're busy practicing law, they don't have time to you know, so let me write an article about the LexisNexis product, excuse me while I, you know, I abandoned eight billable hours to write this article, it'll do me absolutely no good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I
0: that, I'm, says, I'm just, that would know, mean it, the product actually had to be finished. <laughs> yeah, right.
4: <laughs> when I was a Thomson Reuters author for a decade, writing a book about criminal law in New York, they wouldn't give me access even temporary access to Westlaw Edge. They always made me use the old, re- like I had free access to it, but they wouldn't even let me look at Westlaw Edge. And I thought it was the strangest thing. I was like, I literally write about this and I work for you guys. And I don't work for them, but Did I you rather. have to use
1: dot commands?
4: Practically, <laughs> I was stuck with the old crappy one. And I was, I was, I, I thought they, they could never put it up the ladder to give me access to Edge. And so I feel like sometimes that just sometimes gets, the, the practicality of giving press access to things seems to be lost lately.
0: Yeah, well, there, there's lots of other stuff to talk about this week, uh, and uh, now that we've complained about Lexus, next. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. No, I, I actually think the product looks pretty good. It's just, uh, and uh, I, it would be great to be able to get in and, and, and try it and see how it, see how it is for ourselves, but. Uh, I, I know that Joe has to jump out uh, early today, so I want to make sure we get to Joe. Plus, he's got uh, something interesting, so interesting that even Steve wanted to talk about it as well. So maybe we can <laughs> uh, double team on this one.
3: Sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> ACC is going on right now, the Association of Corporate Counsel. Uh, so the in-house conference that uh, we didn't go to because we into conferences basically nonstop since August. And I think none of us, none of us went, right? I I certainly didn't. Mm -hmm. I was just like, no, I'm done. Uh, So since we did not go, uh, we did learn though, that they put together a survey along with Everlaw of, you know, bunches of hundreds and hundreds of in-house counsel about like what their thoughts are on the mood of the industry. And there were a lot of takeaways uh, from a business law perspective that were very interesting. But I also noted, and I wrote about this, that there was a, there's a big push to lower costs. Uh, and that push is largely... Uh, with the threat that they're going to bring work in-house, which in-house counsel people always say, and then they figure out how much a full-time employee costs. And then they realize they have to hire a law firm anyway. So put that to one side. I mean, they have a vested interest in acting like they're going to walk away. They're basically the most pathetic person at the car dealership. Like, I'm going to go away. And it's like, sure you are. Anyway, uh, but that to one side, (laughs) What I thought was interesting, though, is the we're going to find and we're going to bring everything in house is always a big figure. But the we are going to invest in AI and tech to get out of uh, our costs tripled since last year's uh, last year's survey, which I thought was interesting because it suggests that even though big law may not be uh, super excited about these products quite yet the clients are starting to really feel like this is a place where they have leverage. Now, whether it's because they really have leverage or they think that this is something they can say to threaten law firms, I don't know. But I thought it was an interesting takeaway.
5: Yeah, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff in there. And
3: like you, I mean,
5: Joe, in-house lawyers have been saying for years that they're going to take more work inside and somehow it Never seen. I mean, it it fluctuates a little here, and a little there. Uh, but you know, query whether with these new tools, um, maybe they'll be able to. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting is, so they 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 were asked how satisfied they were with their outside lawyers in particular categories, and it appeared that the outside lawyers did okay when it came to communications and things like that. Where they didn't do very well was on. Um, uh, Predictability and cost, <laughs> and then when you when you drop down and say, okay, um, what are you going to do to control those two issues? Um, uh, less than a third mentioned the use of alternative fees, which of course is a good way to predict costs. Um, which sort of suggests, you know, that even though we've been around with th- alternative fees for a while it still doesn't seem to have caught on like maybe you would have if you were really interested in predictable costs. Because that, I mean, that's one huge advantage and it's a huge advantage both for the, for the, for the in-house people and also for the law firms. I mean, knowing, you know, if you're going to get a quarterly fee of $50,000 and you know, you're going to get it, that's, that's easy to predict and deal with. Um, the other thing that was kind of funny, Axiom came out with a survey on similar issues. And it's really kind of, kind of striking because they surveyed the in house people, and like 90% of them were very dissatisfied with their situation. And most of it had to do with a lack of resources. to to do the work and yet, you know, we're going to bring all this work inside, you know, according to the Everlaw survey, but we're already overworked and can't do it. So what are we, and and the other thing that they said is, you know, that they they couldn't, they didn't think outside lawyers could help them much with this resource problem because outside lawyers generally gave um, conceptual advice and not practical advice, which I know it's kind of funny actually. (laughs) So, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there.
0: I was, um, when, I, when I first read this, I haven't actually read the report, but when I saw Joe's story, my, my initial reaction was kind of what you had just said, Steve, which is we, we've been hearing this saw for a number of years now that they're going to bring this work in house and, and they never do it. It's almost, it's sort of like the old get rid of the hour one that we keep hearing about and, and, and yep. it never happens. But uh, I actually do think, I mean, I am I am starting to hear about it a lot more frequently and uh, hear more, more GC talk about the fact that they're doing it I, at this, I, I talked about I was at this KM and I uh, KM and Innovation Conference a couple of weeks ago. And, and Mark, Mark Smolik, who is the uh, chief legal officer at DHL, spoke there. And, and he had the slide up, which I'm looking at, which I took a picture of. But uh, he was talking about just looking at the cost of this, the economics of it, and the, he said, you know, a fully loaded cost of an associate general counsel in his legal department, counting overhead, everything else that goes into it, uh, probably about $450,000 a year for, for uh, everything. Whereas uh, the cost of a first year law firm associate for doing the equivalent amount of work is well over a million dollars and just the economics of it for them uh make it do make it a lot more worthwhile for them to start to look at exactly what can they bring in house and do in-house they're going to ultimately save money on
5: a lot of this work i had talked to an in-house counsel at an insurance company not long ago and he was saying with a lot of these automation tools now i can create letters um you know using the tools that Whereas before I might have to ask an outside counsel to, to draft it, now I can do it. You know, just by clicking, flipping the switch, and it, and it comes out. And so he was—he was saying that he was doing much more work that he used to farm out. So we, you may be right.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd take a look at the, the survey, but I mean, it, it seems like with with, with the, the AFA thing, like—it's always just kind of like, yeah, we want to talk about AFA's, we want to like have more AFA's, but it's never really defined what what what, what they're talking about. Like, did this mean you know, flat fees. Do they mean some kind of like you know metric-based thing, or some kind of like you know you hit certain you hit certain metrics and you get paid, or you have like you know just 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 a just a discount or or what? So maybe maybe in in the future, like kind of looking at and looking at sort of like like what Joe was talking about with the jump for like people who want to like leverage AI more. Maybe they should look at it, rephrase the question. So sort of like, do you want do you like like do do they want like to kind of use AI to kind of leverage right. these um right. you know kind of alternative fees because. You know, if 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 they're cutting down so much on 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 billable time by, by using these tools, then maybe that's worth that's a conversation worth having, and maybe that's something that clients can start pushing for.
5: One other interesting finding before we before we lead the survey, the Everwall survey is you know, a lot of them were talking about bringing work in in house. They were also asked about using alternative legal service providers, and like ten percent said, that, well, that's that's sort of an option, which which I thought was kind of interesting in a way because you know, the, there's been sort of the the notion of the rise of these alternative legal service providers and what they could do. And you know, one way of looking at it is is maybe some of the automated AI tools may take the place of that work. The other way to look at it is they're just not, in-house people are just not ready to unbundle some of the some of the work and send it piecemeal. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I'd...
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, Joe, you're free to leave.
3: <laughs> I'm here till pretty much the oh, end. good, good, it? good.
0: But, yeah, We don't want you to leave. Just, um, all right. We just so, want you well, to go uh, to the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Join us in the basement. Um, and uh, and while Nikki's alone upstairs, we can ask her to talk about ethics and uh, <laughs> ethics and AI.
4: Well, so I, I, as I tend to do when I publish my, um, not publish write, maybe I publishes my articles for them. I do include them, but I don't usually um, offer them as a topic. But I'm adding it into the chat just because they're educational articles about software not super controversial or Unlike uh, what the rest trending. of us write. <laughs> but <laughs> so I added that this this month was about the payment pr- processing software tools and um, how the market's changed since I last wrote about that in 2020 and how lawyers can go about choosing the right tool for their firm. Um, but then I also, for Above the Law, wrote um, an article that I, a, a blog post that I linked to earlier because someone had asked in the panel chat um, where the Florida bars, um, questions were, and so I linked to that so this person could access it, but I published it publicly in the chat. Um, But my article uh, for Above the Law is about balancing legal ethics with um, rapid AI innovation. And essentially, I talked about how AI is advancing really quickly, and that Net Docs, Net Documents and Lexis both announced the general release of their um, generative AI solutions, and um, uh, and then most of them are still in beta, but rapidly being developed, and you know, we're going to see all sorts of movement in this space. And in the meantime, <clears throat> a bunch of bar associations have said they're going to do something about it, uh, and they've formed some committees, and they're going to write some um, opinions, but none of those opinions have come out yet. And then most recently, Florida threw its hat into the ring um, and indicated that it was going to be um uh seeking comments from the bar members on a number of different questions and that would help inform their opinion that they ultimately wrote and the comments i thought were really telling and i included them in the article um some of them were ones we'd already i've we've already talked about and that i've I've already thought about um informed consent to use generative ai that always happens whenever there's new tech and everybody talks about that and initially lawyers have to get informed consent and eventually the Ethics committee is like, sorry, we changed our mind. It's too commonplace. I think that's what's going to happen, unfortunately, with AI. generative AI, they're going to require consent <clears throat> from the clients initially, which I think is stupid in case anyone from any of the bars is listening. That's a waste of time, and they're going to have to renege on that eventually. Um, whether a lawyer has to supervise generative AI, that's another big issue. And what does that look like? And is it the same as supervising an, an, an assistant or an associate? And how does that how is that going to work with AI? And what does supervise even mean? Um, the ethical limitations and conditions that apply to lawyers fees and costs. This one I thought was super interesting. Um, And they, this is what I referenced earlier, Um, including whether a lawyer must provide their fees to reflect an increase in efficiency due to the use of AI technology and whether a lawyer may charge clients for time spent learning how to use that tech more effectively. There's definitely parallels to legal research and how people used to charge for that and now they don't. But I also think that that's sort of indicative of that you know, the thesis that I've thrown around and some people agree and some disagree that this may completely undercut the billable hour once and for all. Um, Because if the bars actually start to say, you've got to revise your fees when you use generative AI, I mean, that means you're talking about flat fee billing. You can, and what the idea is that you can use this technology with your um, practice management platforms or your legal billing software or whatever functionalities you use to run your firm. If the technology is built in there, it can help you very accurately predict how much these cases actually cost you. And you can even throw in the different features, like if you think it's gonna to go to trial or not. And it may actually be a really good way to come up with a reliable flat fee once and for all that can then make it so that you, I, I know some people don't agree, but we'll see. But um, it will be interesting to see how that goes. And then they also talked about whether you can, <clears throat> another question, can you advertise private and in-house standard AI technologies objectively superior or unique when compared to those used by other lawyers or providers? Interesting, think Harvey, for example, like is that better than LexisNexis's product? And then whether you can instruct or encourage clients to create and rely upon due diligence reports it's generated solely by AI. That seems pretty specific to a certain type of practice area. But I thought those questions were kind of interesting and telling um, and some were definitely beating new tech to death, like some of them you just want to be like, stop it, like don't do this again, but we'll see what happens. And um, it'll be interesting to see what all these
3: opinions say.
0: Why do we need, I mean, we have a duty of technology competence. Why do we need any different set of ethics rules around AI, especially the one in there about the duty to supervise, because every single ethics opinion that's come down on the duty of tech competence talks about the fact that lawyers have a duty to supervise the use of technology in their, in their matters and to supervise even you know people who are involved in the case their support staff whatever else how they're using technology in the matter so clearly that duty already exists so that would be redundant the other stuff i'll as as i think you and several people in the chat point out just sounds silly a lot frankly
5: but it's florida i don't know bob have there been any um any ethical rulings actually holding lawyers responsible for not complying with the duty of competency and comment eight. I have not seen any yet. there are, but there, um, there have been <laughs> uh,
0: not not uh, suspension, uh, not, not uh, disbarments, but there have been people who have been, uh, you know, verbally reprimanded and that sort of thing uh, for violations of the duty of tech competence. Uh, but there have certainly been lawyers who have been sanctioned in court hearings for for technological incompetence, especially in e discovery matters. That's that has happened.
5: Um,
0: all right. Any other comments on lawyers and ethics? Move move right off of ethics. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a good article. It's good. It's it's uh, food for thought for sure. Um, so, uh, Jean, I did want to get to your, uh, your stop, start survey. Uh, it's always, a, a fascinating, uh, survey of, of, of basically what products law firms are canceling and which ones they're buying. Right. Is that, is that the, the bottom line of it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And other, other general trends, but, you know, it was funny cause I was thinking I actually hadn't for during the pandemic, things slowed down so much, I actually thought I was going to have to end the, the survey because it, it felt like we went into this weird lull where nothing was happening for a long, long time. And now we are sort of over overwhelmed with this AI type of hysteria. Um, so a lot of the a lot of the uh, survey focused on AI, but in a very weird way, because everyone was talking about products they weren't actually buying. They were talking about products they were thinking about buying. Um, So there were some interesting takeaways. I mean, overwhelmingly co Council was voted, got 63%. It was voted the best product that anybody had seen. Not that everybody had bought it, but before it was bought by uh, Thompson Reuters, it was absolutely regarded as the best product. and what are what one of the interesting takeaways I thought was what are the AI products you're you are thinking of uh, implementing or evaluating? And at the top of the list was Lexus. More than it actually got more votes than Co-Council, although co-council and Westlaw combined were higher. But I this is this survey happened before Thomson uh, Thompson Reuters had acquired co-council. But what I thought was interesting about Lexus being at the top was that their, their education strategy, they had those two outreach strategies of um, you know the insider and I think the council something where they were trying to engage people in learning about AI, even more than showing them the product, they were engaging people. And I thought, wow, that really shows this was a pretty successful approach. The other interesting takeaway, and I don't know, Joe, did you say that Jeff McCoy is on this call?
3: No, no, uh, but no, that's, no. that's I, why I, I, I grabbed actually, that phone.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that came out was who, I, who were the best or who had the best research or workflow features or products by parent? And this is what was really weird. Thomson Reuters, although they had launched Precision within the last year, they were not on the list at all. How incredible is that they had a major launch last October, and it had so little market penetration and so little adoption. There were so few people that even thought it was a great product. They did it didn't make the list. I know they're remedying that with they're going to be integrating the case text thing, but I, I think in my whole career, or certainly in the years that I've been doing the survey, I can't remember another time where a major launch was completely ignored in the survey results. So the people that did LexisNexis was top. And a lot of the reason Lexis gets a lot of attention is because they have so many different products in within their bl- brand that they do a lot of different things and they actually do a lot of innovating. You know, Case Text was next. Bloomberg actually had 15% and and uh, Trellis and Business Law Research, which is a real sleeper. They bought um, Docket Navigator. So each of those companies had the, the products or features that were most interesting to the marketplace. Uh, so I think I already uh, talked about most of the... Um, Interesting things. I'm going to be doing a part two of this. Um, it, it was surprising to me that even though Bloomberg has generated a lot of hostility because of they changed their price in the past year, they actually came out as the top product that people plan to ex- expand access to. Uh, in terms of reduce, they were also the top product that people plan to reduce. So there you go. Uh, um, but the, the, products, the, the products that people are targeting really were in the analytics area, which really surprised me because for a couple of years, analytics was just the, the glorious, wonderful thing that changed the way we do research. And it's now sort of become ordinary and commoditized. So people are starting to, I think the products are maturing enough that people are looking and saying, well, which ones can I get rid of? Because now... Uh, Lexis, Westlaw and Bloomberg all have internal uh, analytics of some kind. So people are looking to get rid of Thompson Reuters has a standalone analytics product called Monitor Suite. Lex Machina is a standalone product. And then uh, people also mentioned Docket Alarm and Westlaw Edge. So I think those are the big takeaways.
0: Yeah, well, Gene, somebody was asking about it, which what was the product launch that you said that people had largely missed, which was the 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 what Precision. The Reuters, the, 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 it yeah, was the,
1: Precision, which was it, it was a big product launch. It was last, I believe, October. I went back and checked when I wrote my post, and it was you know there uh, there were a couple of things about that. It was again a high ticket price, and it was also the first launch that Thomson Reuters ever did where it was really only a partial launch. So you were buying segments of legal research. You were buying like commercial law. It wasn't the entire breadth of all of the topics that Westlaw covered. It was being approached topic by topic. And the reason that it was being approached topic by topic was because they had hired 250 editors to help them write the to help them analyze the law. And now, obviously, now that they have acquired co-counsel, their approach to uh, precision, precision is going to be transformed into an AI-driven product. So I think the results will be very different next year. I'd be shocked if that wasn't at the top of the list in the 2024 survey.
0: Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, off of off of products and onto pro bono, um, Victor. The uh, your the ABA Journal had a had a story this week. I also also covered it uh, about some news on the pro bono front. You want to talk about that?
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people well, I think a lot of people covered it, but yeah. Um, so Paladin, um, who was that? I think Chris? I think Kristen is on this call, but I'm not sure. She is. Um, okay. Putin. All right. Hi, Kristen. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, Everybody say um, hi, Kristen. Uh, see. <laughs> uh, uh, my, my check's in the mail, by the way, right? Um, no, so, uh, <laughs> The, uh, uh, so yeah. Oh, so, so, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, so, so Paladin announced this week that, um, <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> my kid keeps bringing home lots of random You're gonna have um,
4: to go to the basement if you do that again,
2: though. (laughs) I'm already in the basement, so you know (laughs) I don't know if I can go any lower. Um, So yeah, the uh, so um, Paladin, um, which you know has built itself as sort of a go-to platform for connecting pro bono for connecting like the pro bono community, matching lawyers with potential clients and whatnot. They kind of got a supercharge this week by um, you know announcing a partnership with the with the DOJ, so that now uh, federal like so federal lawyers who who you know they, they can take on pro bono products as long as they don't interfere with their um official duties and whatnot uh now they have now now they have access to the platform so they can uh be matched with uh, potential pro bono clients and whatnot and it's just it just seemed like a good mix of um a good mix of uh like a good marriage of of you know need and need and like um you know uh a platform that was there for uh you know uh to uh to help them and whatnot it just seemed like it was a good mix of of that and i you know i i uh, I didn't write the story. I didn't and, and but um you know I I I I, I would have been curious as sort of like, you know, like how long, yeah, you know, how it came about, how long and how long, you know, how long, you know, this has been marinating. But it it definitely seemed like it was kind of a natural fit as far as, you know, um, you know, helping helping an audience of, of helping helping clients in need with lawyers who, you know, are willing to take on their cases and and and, and, and adding like a big influx of Good lawyers you know I mean, federal government doesn't hire you know too many bad lawyers so um so i thought it was a good it was a good mix of 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 of, of need plus you know a platform that um you know can can help you know a lot of people a lot of people out there who who um um you know, who have cases that, that that where they need where they need attorneys and whatnot so it'll be interesting to kind of see how this how this plays out i mean obviously you know they've um you know pallet has a good has a good reputation and in, and in, in, in and in, 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 you know, in, in, in the tech sphere in general. Um, and uh, you know it'll, it'll be interesting to see to see how how this how this works out going forward. So I'm I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how 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 that goes.
0: Yeah, I I picked up on, on the word that Kristen uh, had used in in her uh, announcement of it. I think we're calling this monumental, but it, it just seems like potentially uh, uh, a huge boost for pro bono. I mean, the Department of Justice has already. already had a pro bono program, but by you know they've got we'll say, it was it ten thousand lawyers or something like that in the Department of Justice, uh, and plugging by plugging them into this, the opportunities in the in the Paladin program, uh, it seems like the the potential could really be huge. I was also I was yeah. curious about what what kinds of cases they can and cannot take. I mean, there, you know, there must be a whole bunch of. Uh, uh um uh, disqualification issues there for for uh, federal government lawyers uh yeah in, in any number of kinds of cases but but still yeah. uh clearly they have a already have a strong program and this just just makes it stronger and stretches out opportunities even farther
2: yeah yeah and like yeah i mean if 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 you know, if if you're a client, say, so yeah, who wouldn't want who wouldn't want like a potential like, who wouldn't want like a federal prosecutor on your side for once, you know? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it I mean, there, there there are a lot of great lawyers out there, um, you know, who this opens up all kinds of opportunities for uh, both clients and and the lawyers. So no, it, it, it was a good it, it was a good mix. Like, I mean, I always like it when kind of things kind of make sense like that, and so that was that was nice to see. So it's kind of like not to not to mix metaphors we we're talking about earlier, I guess. But like, yeah, it's 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 like the, it's like one of those like 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 trades where like you know both teams are benefited you know like where it's like you know you, you know like um like you know, um like the Knicks trading charles oakley to or the bulls trade charles oakley that's to the Nets to the mix for 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 bill car like both teams benefited so yeah I, I like it
0: yeah um all right um uh, was there anything else? I mean, the other, I guess the other thing, well, we kind of already alluded to, I was gonna, I was just gonna mention the, uh, net documents, uh, release this week. I mean, Nikki, you are, you, you talked about it with reference to your, uh, ethics uh, article already, and there's not much, that more to say about it. We, we had talked about it before how they had, uh, kind of married their, their pattern builder, uh, software to generative AI to, to create some, uh, pretty cool opportunities that are all available right within net documents they had announced that a while ago but they just released it to to general availability this week with with a few more skills uh, added on um I, I wasn't it's another conference i think a lot of us all missed I, I had wanted to go to the net documents conference which was down in san antonio this week which is also where acc is i think um but uh i, I wasn't able to go because of work obligations um and uh but uh i, I you know i i think that's i think what what net documents is doing with uh, ai uh is potentially really cool and uh you know uh is is going to prove to be really valuable to to their customers so uh just a nod to that i guess um, anything else anybody want to talk about good of the order here about
5: none. i will i will put in a plug for your podcast with brian banks i'll listen to it and that was really a, a fascinating um, interview of a very interesting and thought-provoking guy. So, um, you know, the, the the issues that he raises with respect to people that are wrongfully convicted and the problems in the justice system is certainly um, certainly worth some thought. And so, I'm glad that you did that. A good interview. Thanks. Yeah, and
0: that, with with Brian, Brian was uh, at, at a keynote speaker at Clio, but he was uh, at the age of sixteen, wrongfully accused of uh, of rape, and and uh, uh, ended up plea bargaining uh, against against his better wishes, uh, the advice of his lawyer, and and then ended up spending time in prison. But Michael Simancik, uh, formerly of the California Innocence Project, now of the Innocence Center, he just started, uh, and he was also on that podcast and. Uh, uh he's just an amazing guy also uh and michael uh, if you haven't listened uh, to his podcast over on the legal talk network uh, uh i think it's called california innocence project although they're about to change the name of it because he just left the innocence project um uh, but uh it's a it's an excellent excellent podcast about about wrongful convictions and, and innocence Um, And and while we're putting in plugs, uh, you reminded me, Steve, I just meant to say, I just put out a notice today also, but just two weeks left to get your applications in for Startup Alley uh, at uh, ABA Tech Show, Uh, always a a seminal event at at Tech Show, it's the opening night uh, event uh, at which uh, startups get to pitch their pitch their products and uh, then also get space in a special startup alley area of the exhibit hall. It's a great opportunity for startups, a whole bunch of big name companies now have, have come through the startup alley. Uh, and uh, so I hope uh, people don't wait until the last minute. Uh, if if uh, probably, uh, you know, a lot of you on this call may well know, uh, may well know people with startups, uh, early stage companies, let them make sure they know about it, make sure they get their applications in find out on i
2: gotta say like it always I, I don't know about you steve but like tech show always kind of creeps up on me it's always like it's always like a lot closer than i think it is like even though it's still, uh, it still seems like it still seems like it's month and month, months and months away but it's just like within a within like i always feel like within a couple of months i was like oh my god it's it's it, 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 it's yeah. it's here already
5: it is oh, earlier. It's, and it's even earlier it's earlier yeah. this year yeah it's on yeah. In the middle of february as opposed to the and or early March, so.
0: we we get to spend Valentine's Day loving startups at Startup Valley, in in, right. in, so in the Hyatt, In <laughs> <And laughs> the Hyatt, oh, loving Stephanie's, the Hyatt, which we Stephanie's all days. Days. <laughs> yeah, we all have a big big heart for the Hyatt, uh, or not. All right, well, uh, thanks to everybody, thanks to all who, who uh, tune in to listen, uh, whether live here or in our uh, recorded versions of the show, and thanks as always to the panelists. We'll be back next week to talk about whatever happens then. So see you then.
4: Bye, Bye, all. Have a great weekend.
1: Great weekend.